not be able to kneel too much longer as I get older. Good morning. I'm not sure how many of you are on uh, Facebook, but uh, I believe it was either yesterday or this morning, I think it was yesterday, there was a challenge put out there specifically for East Union Christian Church. Any of you see that challenge? I didn't do it. The one that did it's here. Something about this being Super Bowl Sunday and that we should have as, and I'm probably paraphrasing here his, his comments, but we should have as much excitement as we come to worship the Lord that we should respond in the same way they do at the Super Bowl when the, when the coaches win. They douse him with Gatorade. So his prescription for this morning was everybody should be ready and prepared that when Mark makes a good point that you're all just going to run up and douse me with Gatorade. That individual was looking for something this morning, but I beat him to it. He was wondering where all the thermoses were. Well, it's because I have them, Jody. Oh, yeah. So if any of you brought Gatorade, you're more than welcome to pour it in here and we can enjoy it later. And I enjoy his enthusiasm. And he's right. Many people know of today in only one vein, that it's Super Bowl Sunday. Even yesterday at the grocery store, all of the groceries were geared toward Super Bowl Sunday. The talk in the registers were Super Bowl, what you're having, what I'm having, what we're going to do, and, and so on and so forth. Even in the midst of the pandemic, plans are laid out very well for many people about this day. And yet what Jody said is so true. There's another thing going on that deserves more attention. And on every day of the week, not just one, and way beyond the snacks and the hors d'oeuvres and the food that we'll all try to partake in later on today. It shouldn't just be about an excitement of a commercial, but that which is going on every minute of every day of everyone's life that should bring us just as much, if not more, excitement and have more eternal consequences is that which goes on according to God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now think about it, folks. Since our guys are gone, and we've moved so many times, I couldn't find just a regular football, but I did find these out in the barn. So, And I thought about I would just pick out people and throw it, but I thought, what if they aren't ready, and what if they don't catch it, and what if I'd hurt somebody? So we're not going to do that because you all haven't signed permission slips. This is what today's all about, right? But understand... It's just a game. Now, some of you are going, but Mark, it's the Super Bowl, and this is the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. I mean, we've got the young quarterback that's just amazing, and then we've got the old guy that continues to be amazing. And many of us have found a new liking for the old guy because he doesn't play for the old team that he used to play for that we didn't like. 
But you have to take a step back, as I did when you see this old quarterback and the accomplishments he's made to have left the team he had been forever with, gone with a new team that really had nothing going on for him other than warm weather, smart man, and bring them to this pinnacle. And we have celebrated him since the the decision was made who the two would be. Everything from jerseys and and groceries and commercials and, and clothes and interviews and everything else. It's what our kids are talking about. It's what people at work are talking about. It's what you hear at the gas station, the hairdo place. Hairdo place? Restaurants and everything else. But later on this evening, we'll all go to bed. And it'll be history. It's a game. There's a goal. The goal is to win or at least have fun. It probably was in the beginning to have fun and then to win. It's to win via scoring more points than the opponent via touchdowns, extra points, field goals, safeties. Oh, there are rules in this game. There are probably far fewer rules way back when it was first designed and thought of than there are today. And we have more rules now because we think the more rules we add, the safer it is and the better it is and the more fair it is. I quite honestly don't think that's the truth. The first thing that comes to mind when people start adding rules to make things better is the Pharisees and Sadducees. They took the the pure scripture that they had been given And kept adding rules on it. Why? Not for the good of the people, but for the good of them as those who were in charge to maintain their power and their authority. Now think about what I just said and relate it to this game that we're playing today. You know, now we have the playback and all that stuff and the booth review. Well, we knew that the officiating way back when that they were going to make mistakes because what? They're human, amen? Well, we just can't satisfy ourselves with letting humans make mistakes, so we're going to try to overcome that. But look how good that's taking care of us. What it was, football as a game, and what it has become, I believe, are two very different things. Now we have fans that pay to get in, incredible prices. We have superstars. It's become a very large business. And some think that we cannot do without it. When in essence, maybe what it has truly become is just an idol among many others. Now, I'm not cranking on you. I'll be watching this afternoon, too. And I saw some stuff Terry put in the grocery cart that we normally would not buy that we're going to partake in this afternoon. And maybe we'll have to do it sooner than the Super Bowl because I probably won't make it beyond the first half. Not because I'm mad or angry, because I really don't care which team wins, just because I'm getting old and bedtime's a lot earlier than that. I'm not cranking on something that's a game and many people in. I enjoy it too. Maybe not to the extent that it's allowed to, it's been allowed to grow today. But in thinking about it, what 
burdens me the most is how we, as a culture, as a country, as a society, have allowed something to take such a main stage when we won't step up to the plate and allow the true message of what life is truly all about, both here and for eternity, become something that we're even afraid to talk about in our day-to-day life. What I'm going to share with you is not a game. I want that to be right out front. What I'm going to share to you is not a game. And I am not trying to compare the scriptural salvation journey of God Almighty and Jesus' Son to that of a game, because it's not. In fact, that's what I want to tell you today. That's what I want to share with you today. That's what I want to encourage you with today, is that what I am going to share with you in these scriptures that we're going to go through at some speed is not a game. And yet we as a society have made church a game in some instances and to some extents. But it is not. That which we come to worship on a Sunday morning or get together during the week when we talk about ministry and how can we do ministry better and how can we reach people better and how can we feed people not only God's word, but literally feed people. How can we do that as a part of God's body, as a chosen group of people to do his will? How can we do that better? We must understand it's not a game. It's not a game. If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to look at, all these are familiar passages, and so we're going we're to go through them, but I want you to listen to the scripture. Forget about Mark. Listen to the scripture, God's holy word, and understand this is not a game. This is life, or the lack thereof, or death, no matter how you look. This has eternal consequences about how it all ends. Not, it does not end necessarily with an earthly trophy, although the New Testament talks about running a race and, and the, uh, the prize being a wreath for the winner and so on and so forth. But the New Testament presents that athletic appeal because it wants us to understand the importance of being in the game and playing it throughout and understanding the consequences if we don't. The consequences to running the race that God has called us to run is eternal life or eternal death. That's much different than an endorsement, a trophy, or getting to go to Disneyland. Amen? Now, I'm not cutting Disneyland either. Don't get mad at me, please. Look with me. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And it'll be a little easier. I made it a little easier on you because we're going to stay in the same book for a little while. But we're going to go from Scripture to Scripture because the Scriptures tell the story the story. The scriptures tell the truth. Listen to the scriptures. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek, and to the Greek also. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, for there is no partiality with God. Important for us to understand. There is no partiality with God. That in which we are in spiritually pertains to everyone. I have to tell you that the other day I was thinking about this, and it's really kind of bothered me. All this talk, and it's happened for many, 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 many years about equal rights. 
And, and, and you know, you just get indulged with what the culture is saying and, and driving us to and equal rights. And, and I got to trying to think, well, where does that all fit in with God? Well, God says here in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, there's no partiality. So it means the equal of all equal rights before God. And at the foot of the cross, we are all on level ground. So I guess there spiritually, that's equal rights. But beyond that, let me tell you, folks, God is God. There will be no equal rights with God, only under God. And it seems to be that's where we're getting things messed up. We're so worried about all of this under that we are forgetting that we are always subjected to God himself. But here in Romans 2.11, there's a talk about equal rights. There is no partiality. It means all of us will be judged. And at the, at the foot of the cross, the ground is all equal. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, talking about the world's guiltiness. There is none righteous, not even one. Man, that... I don't know about you, but that just pierces my heart. And, and what do you want to say when you read that? It's like, well, wait a minute, Lord, not one. What about, what about me? God's word says there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. It goes on to say there is none who seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is open to the is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is 2021, folks, and how more pertinent is that scripture than it is today? If there was a true fear of God, things would be different. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, a very familiar passage. For all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Flip the page to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have all sinned and fall short. Well, guess what the penalty for that is? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God wants us to understand the black and white of the Scripture, but He also wants us to see the promises and the hopes and the assurance that He has given to us so that we can rise above and not be on the wrong side when the final call comes, when the final horn goes off, when the final minute is played of life. You see, God already has the victory. We just have to receive that victory and then experience it and live it in our lives. Look with me back one page, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. We've been told that all have sinned. We have been told that the wages of sin are death. And then Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So he provides that play, that offense, that way that we can find our path to God's victory. And that is eternal life with him forever. Now, if you would, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this. 
Because again, God doesn't want us to not know. God wants us to know. He wants us to know his plan. He wants us to understand so that we can then be convicted and respond to his plan. He doesn't want us to question or wonder. He doesn't want us to be the armchair coach to second guess what the coach is telling us. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt how we experience this victory. And Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, And there is, sal- there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men which, by which we must be saved. Well, what is that name? If you go back a few verses, it says in verse 10, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which, the, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And what is it again? And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. God wants you to know, if you want to be saved and you want to live in heaven with him for eternity, there is only one way and one way only, and that's through Jesus Christ, his son, who died, was buried, and rose again. Amen? There's no question, folks. Don't wonder about it on Monday morning. Well, if they had just done this, they would have won. Who says? Are you the professional? But boy, we do it, don't we? If they had just called timeout. If he had just let him run it instead of him. Been there, done that on Monday? Maybe Sunday night. Any of you a coach from the comforts of your own home? We cannot be coaches from the comforts of our own home in the, in the spiritual journey which God has given to us. He wants us to make sure we understand it so that we don't question. Even more so, one for us, because he desires each one of us, each one of us have to make an individual decision to accept or reject Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen? I can't do it for you. Rex can't do it for you. The elders can't do it for you. Your mom can't do it for you. Your grandma can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to decide. When you reach the age of accountability, whatever that age is, and the understanding within your heart, when you're convicted by the Word of God, you must respond to that conviction and choose Jesus as your Savior. You must make the decision. No one else can coach you through it. God has laid out the plan, and he doesn't want us to not understand the plan. Now, let's get more specific here. Acts chapter 2. Look back a few pages. Verse 38. Peter, in this sermon, says to them, after he had been asked, well, what do we do? What must we do? What, What should or what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's response when asked how they should respond. Now, there, is, there are books and articles and, and sermons and classes and everything else based on this scripture and many other scriptures. And, and One looks at it this way, and one looks at it this way. I'm going to say to you today, as a person that is not going to take a chance with where I'm going to spend eternity, amen? 
Now, some of you live more on the edge than I do. Have at it in life. Have at it. Just be careful. But when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to where you're going to spend eternity, now that, that precludes that you believe that there is a heaven and a hell. Now, if you don't believe that, then we got a whole nother time that we need to sit down and talk. But if you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, then I am praying from the depth of my soul that you will not play with where you're going to spend eternity. And so having that aspect in my own personal life spiritually and where I am at comfort with God in my gut, I'm going to share with you why this is important, what we're sharing now from Acts 2.38. It says, Peter said to them, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins and that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to say we need to follow that protocol because it's scriptural. Now, somebody can say, but Mark, over here, it doesn't say anything about baptism. Just hang on with me a minute, okay? I know there are scriptures over there, and all scripture is divinely inspired, but we've got to put it together, and in the end, we need to take a step back, and you and I, individually, have to decide before God where we're going to put our eternity. Amen? Now, I told you, I'm going to take the safe way, right? I want to share the safe way that I think. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Again, another familiar scripture. And Jesus, last words spoken before he left, came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. We knew that. Praise God. He says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here comes my thing. From a small, feeble-minded, uneducated, wild guy like me. If I am going to base where I am going to spend eternity, then I am going to look to the Scriptures to find that which tells me, without a shadow of a doubt, how to get there. I know it's through Jesus. Peter says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said that. Somebody said, well, Peter's just like you and me, Mark. Well, oh, no, you're not like me. I ain't going to stand there with him. So let's go one step forward. Jesus. Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus, as the Son of God, came down in earthly format but was still divine so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for you and me so that we would have the opportunity to spend eternity with God in heaven, if you believe in Jesus fully and completely, then listen to what Jesus says you need to do. He says his last words before he left, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think if it wasn't important, Jesus wouldn't have said it in his last few words. So if I am going to make sure I personally am going to be in, in, in heaven with God for eternity, then I'm going to follow what the Scripture best tells me, and I'm not going to take a chance 
on some theological discussion or debate or anything like that. The Word of God. I just read it to you. I didn't make it up. That's what the Word of God says. Where do you want to spend eternity? Where do you want to come out when the final gun sounds of the game above all games? And why would you want to play on the edge? Because I'm going to guarantee you, when the final trumpet sounds, according to the Scripture, there will be no, no armchair coaching or replays or do-overs or anything else. 